0: In conclusion, this book, while excellent in its analysis overall, is welcome to bring so together the theories and methods the of two different, different fields humanity, of study,
1: social history, but detailed and enough so that more seasoned researchers will. Find I'm Robert Casanello. I'm the vice president of research and publications at HNet, and this is the Art of the Review podcast.
2: I'm Elena Kalinski, managing editor of HNet Reviews, and this is a podcast where we examine reviewing and criticism as an academic form.
1: This podcast is brought to you by HNET and the University of Central Florida's Center for Humanities and Digital Research.
2: Welcome to the Art of the Review podcast. So, in this episode of the Art of the Review, we are talking about the early history of HNET and HNET reviews. Robert, you spoke with HNET's very first vice president for research and publications, Jim Neeson. Can you tell us a little bit about who Jim is?
1: I did, and, you know, I'm one of the people that, uh, you know, I became a subscriber to H. I I think, in 1995. And back then is when um, Jim was the VP of Research and Publications. And he is currently, and and has been for a long time, the World History Librarian at Rutgers University. And he was an editor and a review editor for H. Habsburg. And his job really was to kind of create the – the founding policies and sort of the the get the H reviews program started in in all practical purposes because these things were – at the time they were called listservs, they weren't called networks, but these these were the reviews programs were located at each individual listserv. And so uh Jim's job coming in was to sort of centralize this and in, into one body. And so he we thought, you know, if we're gonna do this this podcast about the history of HN, the early reviews program, we really needed to talk to Jim Neeson.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think one of the interesting things that comes out of Jim's interview is the way that each network was responsible for its own reviews and that reviews were not necessarily archived in any one place. Reviews would come out into people's email inboxes via the listserv and there would be response and maybe some discussion. But each individual network like H. Urban or Habsburg took it upon themselves to make reviews accessible and archived. So why don't we listen to that interview now?
1: Jim, one of the one of the first things I kind of want you to talk about because I know you were around in the early stages of HNet, right? Yeah. D- do you recall the discussions and, and maybe the, um, the 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 ways in which you looked at um, how the digital aspects of reviewing gave you um, maybe greater latitude or greater options than reviewing in print journals back in the in the early days of HNet?
0: Yes. Um, when the reviewing started, and of course this is in email and in the HNet Gopher, uh, that tells you how far back it was, uh, one of the exciting things we realized very soon was that they could be produced very quickly and that they were not subject to the same limitations in length that print reviews typically were those were two sources of excitement that we had when we started to do reviews.
1: Okay. And, and I know like with, with all things there probably were just this rush of ideas and plans to, to, to sort of do things in, in novel and, um, and unique ways. What challenges did you, did you face as far as, you know, what seemed to work and maybe what didn't work in those early years?
0: A great promise of HNET reviews was interactivity and with, The rapid dissemination of the review on a list, you could get a lot of people to read it right away and perhaps respond to it. And that doesn't necessarily happen, it didn't happen spontaneously, because people weren't accustomed to responding to a review unless they felt that they were personally affected or, or attacked in the review. So you had a lot of reviews that were being disseminated and the interactivity was not being realized. At a certain point after we established the web archive of reviews, we had a function in the web display for the uh, archiving of responses to the reviews. We were playing around with the idea of responses to reviews being part of the review record. In my own work as review editor for Hopsburg, I did have some really nice review forums that I was able to organize, but I found there were a lot of work. What I would do is I would not only get the the author signed up to provide a response to the review, but line up as many as 10 other respondents. And when that worked well, we could have 50 or 100 posts coming out of that organized review forum. But that didn't happen a whole lot, and that was disappointing.
1: If we could switch gears a little bit. Um, I know you were involved, I guess, in, you know, since you were around at HNET's founding or soon after, you know, there's this, this the HNET, what it was, was this sort of new thing. And I guess you had to, you all had to create policies and, and guidelines in order to create it or conceive it as a professional organization. And I think um, what was sort of center of that was this idea of creating a, a set of policies surrounded by conduct and the con- and conflict of interest. Can you talk a little bit about why that was so important in the founding of HNET and at least soon after?
0: Yes. Um, we were certainly very concerned about the prestige of HNET reviews. Um, we felt that uh, our uh, – Extensive pro bono activity was was rather questionable in the eyes of a lot of historical colleagues and so we wanted to make sure that that our product would be respectable and respected and so we we wanted to make sure that the reviews were well edited, that they were not ad hominem attacks on the author, that they were up to professional standards There was a potential conflict of interest in the assigning of reviews. We were nervous uh, and uncomfortable with the idea of review editors assigning books to themselves and at the same time, of course, lists and, and review editors had a lot of autonomy and so it wasn't easy to legislate
1: these things. Did the fact that HNET being a new venture, HNEP being not only a new venture but a digital venture, did it complicate um, you know these kinds of policies at all?
0: Sure. I, I would say that it, it made it difficult. Well, I'm not sure how I want to put this. We, we moved gradually to this central archive of the reviews, and when you have a central archive, there's a lot that's better controlled than in the situation where Editors are archiving reviews on their list sites or on just on the web. Um, so that evolution made it easier to centrally maintain standards.
1: Well, great. I, w- I want to thank you for joining me today.
0: No more questions.
1: <laughs> that's, that's it, Jim. That's Okay, it. okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: So HNET Reviews has come a long way since its listserv days. If any of the listeners out there are interested in getting involved in HNET Reviews as a review editor, we suggest that you visit the HNET Reviews website, which is at www.hnet.org slash reviews. And there you can find information about becoming a reviewer or a review editor.